Welcome to the MBUK podcast. In this series, we'll be looking back through some of the moments that helped shape the sport of mountain biking. From the pioneers that paved the way, bikes that broke the tech boundaries, and the events that pushed the very limits of the sport, to the racers who will be forever cemented in our memories for their antics on and off the track. We'll even do our best to predict how things will look in the future. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your mates. And if you have time, please give us a review. Right then, another MVUK podcast about to kick off. I'm Rob Weaver. With me as ever is Tom Marvin. And we are joined by the technical genius, the master of downhill racing. <laughs> and... The keenest of all keen, Luke Marshall. Thank you for coming, Luke. Um, you're very welcome. <laughs> I'm glad I can uh, bless you with my presence. Yeah, he's yeah. also, and, and for good reason here, because of his geographical know-how and knowledge, his love of travel, his linguistic skills, <laughs> <laughs> among other things. Uh, and if you haven't read between the lines yet, I, I don't blame you, but that's fine. Um, but we are talking about... The locations, the riding destinations that we think have revolutionized mountain biking. I mean, that's quite an ask. It is quite an ask. And what is more of an ask is the reason why we want Luke to kick this one off is because he's such, <laughs> such a fan of this next place. It's all he talked about. Yeah, it's facts on and on. How do you pronounce it, Luke? Mountain. Oh, <laughs> that's a cop out. What's the proper name? What is it, Tom? You did look it up, right? Uh, it's uh, Mount Tampelias. Tam Tamil Payas. Tamil Well, that apologise to everyone off, from um, Rolls off California. The and uh, that is in California. <laughs> Nor NorCal, right? Hold on, Marin County. Marin County. Oh, hold on. Look at our t-shirts. Oh. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Oh, not you. Yeah. <laughs> not you. Sorry, mate. <laughs> so, why is that important? Birthplace of mountain biking. That's pretty significant, I'd yeah. say. Probably worth uh, including. Probably, then, yeah. uh, revolutionized, revolutionized mountain biking. You know? Yeah, well, there you go. Ticked off, done. No. Number one. Well, we've we've kind of covered off with the the clunkers and you know um, the key names behind mm. that: Joe Breeze, Tom Ritchie, Mike Sinyard, um, Charlie Kelly. Yeah, a lot of the original original mountain bikers from back in the day who. Went to Mount Tam, raced down it as fast as they could. It's basically right next to where they all lived. Yep. And and it's kind of where everything we do now stems from. It was a genesis point. Which is pretty incredible. Um, none of us have been though, right? Never been. Never no, been. Never been. I, I get the impression that, you know, obviously mountain biking has moved on from razzing down dirt roads uh, on uh, on bikes that's now called gravel riding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a gravel podcast, so... Technology is not a million miles off. No, but it's not a mile. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Should we bring it closer to home a little bit to somewhere maybe we do know a bit more about? Yeah, I think so. I was thinking maybe we need to talk about Glen Tress. Or maybe, should we start with Cody Brennan? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because Cody Brennan is like, you know, it's one of the originals, yeah. like globally. Um, Daffod Davis and Sian, um, who sort of built it. Cody Brennan, one of the world's first man made trail centers. Certainly the UK's first specific man-made trail center yeah i mean i hyped it up a little bit by saying it's one of the world's, well, but yeah that's yeah done it down tom come <laughs> on out of it i mean i guess for us living in a on a tiny island that's quite swampy for mm. a good chunk of the year having somewhere to ride that is 
not swampy. Yeah. So a trail center is a good thing. Yeah. And would you say Cody Brennan kind of, what, paved the way? Well, I mean, pun intended. Um, I've written that down in my notes, actually. I got that exact pun. Oh, <laughs> well done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess it kind of paved the way, right? Yeah, for sure. It sort of showed that, you know, this model of mountain biking was maybe financially viable. It showed that, you know, using forests for recreation and investing in them in order to bring a new sort of clientele to to what is a forestry land was was worth doing. It also, you know, helped popularize a sport to people who maybe didn't want to, you know, spend the whole day pulling out an OS map from their back pocket and trying to work out which bit of the bog they were meant to be cycling across. They could just follow some signposts down trails that were fun to ride. You know, it was guaranteed good fun. Absolutely, yeah. Luke, yeah, pur- like purpose built for biking. Like before, let's say you're riding through the woods, there was no guarantee the trail you were on was going to be suitable for you. Right aways, forest tracks, if you were cheeky, the old footpath maybe, mm. but there's no guarantee it was a suitable bike trail. But for people to go into the woods and cut in, you know, a single track cross country line, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was, yeah, it, it boomed that whole industry. And now, the UK fortunately is littered with trail centres and really good trail centres. Yeah. I don't know about you, Tom, but in so Luke and I grew up together riding and, and I know when we were kids, we would just ride endlessly for hours looking for bits of trail or mm. track, unless we were digging in ourselves. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of following your nose or a map, trying to find bits that were fun to ride. I remember doing, you know, we rode around the Quantox or something for ages and it was kind of, we never found anything. Yeah. So... Trail centers genuinely bring that sort of bang for your buck. You kind of, like you said, you don't even know, need to know where you're going. It's all signposted. Mm. So it's that known quantity. You turn up, get your bike out of the car, find a start. That's it. And that's you done. Go. Yeah, you can bang out a lap, get back for lunch. I mean, we talk about like the PlayStation you know, generation, but I was a trail center generation. Like my introduction to mountain biking was riding Dolby Forest, red blue and black routes you know not every weekend because you know I, my parents wouldn't take me every weekend because it was an hour from where i lived but that is how i learned mountain biking when i was 12 13 14 and then you know when we got to sort of 14 15 me and my friends would you know maybe with a parent or whatever it might be but we would go to cody brennan for a holiday where you know we would head there for a few days and we would ride each of the tracks there maybe we'd go to was it natnyarian mm-hmm. i'm not very good at pronunciation but you know like all the different trail centers that's what we would hit until you know, until I got to uni pretty much. And then, and then because you're riding so, you know, twice a week with the uni crowd, you end up going to the local woods and stuff like that. But coming from somewhere that was, you know, the Vale of York is not a mountain biking hotspot. You have to drive to Dolby or Stainburn or whatever Good for it is. Vikings though. Great it? for Vikings. Great. Yeah, a real hotbed of Roman and Viking history. Very interesting place to grow up. Not as a mountain <laughs> biker. <laughs> But, you know, like trail centers really did like give you that space to go mountain biking if you weren't experienced or confident enough to go off exploring. So it's kind of, I mean, the fact that they're sort of graded has to be a really good thing, right? Yeah. Just because, well, I guess like skiing, mm-hmm. it's a known quantity. You're going to go out, you go, okay, well, I can ride to this level, I think, you know, comparing yourself against your friends. Therefore, I'll go and ride, stick to the blues. Yeah. Which is, and you can go, anywhere in the country to any trail center in the country and you kind of you know you know what you're going to get yeah to a totally, degree totally the trails are going to change in flow and obstacles and features and dirt soil all of that sort of stuff but in terms of difficulty they're not going to vary mm. too much right yeah so it's yeah that accessibility was you know from a uk point of view really important and i, I don't know how much when was your first trip there 
And how old to Cody Brennan? Cody Brennan, probably yeah. when I was about 14. Why do you sound so suspicious? Like he when hasn't was been. Have you been? Yeah, I reckon probably when I was about 14, 14 or 15. And with my friend Joe Kamali. There you go. See, I mean, he's had a friend there. Yeah. yeah. You've got, you got to believe <laughs> it now. He's essentially got a witness. Yeah. <laughs> Call him up now. Get him uh, on. Did, did you really go when Tom was 14? He was actually 14 and a half. <laughs> Bang! Knew it. But I reckon, like I said, so when we started talking about this, I think it probably, you know, I don't, I can't speak for the whole of the world, but it strikes me as probably is one of the pioneers of A, the trial centre in the UK, but also signposted, waymarked, dedicated mountain bike tracks kind of worldwide. Well, that's why he's been, David Davis has been nominated for the Hall of Fame, right? Mm. Because, exactly because of that. He kind of pioneered that. And, and like you said, Luke, we've got them, we're so fortunate to have them in so many places. And, you know, I've met some Australian trail builders who've come over to basically research what we have in place uh -huh. to go back and begin to replicate similar. Because it's fantastic in terms of bringing in revenue to mm. the local, you know, local businesses, towns, whether that's like B&Bs, hotels, whatever it might be. Um, so it's one of those sort of things that mountain biking starts to pay off yeah. for the broader community, yeah. which is great. Um, I know we've, we've sort of talked about Cody Brennan, but it feels like we have to also talk about Glen Tress. I know mm. I sort of, I, I stumbled on it earlier, but again, another really important valuable place to scotland mm. brings in it's one of the biggest tourist attractions of scotland i can't remember the, the right? numbers and the figures but certainly sort of pre-pandemic 2018 2019 it was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people would come to that place to you know effectively as day tourists or, or multi-day tourists and, and we one of the biggest places in scotland and it hosts it just hosted the world champs right Luke? it did yeah yeah 23 world champs um tom pick got one there Three. yeah fantastic result um, the track looked immense. Yeah, they built a new yeah. course for it. It was uh, looked first half like real natural and techy and yeah. awkward, and the second half now it's kind of more flowy and and more trail century. Mm. And now any yeah. of us can go and have a go. Exactly. Can we do the gaps? Are you allowed to do the gaps? Didn't they fill it in? Oh, no idea. I think I don't know if you can. Do, I don't know if you can quite yet ride the XC course, but I think you'll be able to. Why don't they put like a? a Angry badger or something in the game. I mean, yeah, make it really scary. Crocodiles. Crocodiles. Make it really, yeah, really scary. Yeah. yeah. That'll pull in the tourists. It would. Yeah. It would. I think like what you're saying about how, you know, other people are coming to come and see our trail center network to sort of work out how they can build. <clears throat> like a real like modern day version of that has to be Finale down in Italy. So they, you know, Finale is like a, a real world renowned spot for riding. I mean, the trails are amazing. They've had a long history with... EWS and Trophy of Nations races and all that sort of things. So it's got a real racing heritage and a riding heritage. But they, they've they developed a system of, when you when you get there and you go to one of the uplift companies, they'll ask you to get one of these little cards with a QR code on it. And every time you go to a shop or a restaurant or a hotel, if they're part of the scheme, you can scan it. And a small portion of what you spend is then boosted back to the trail network and they have full-time trail builders who are there to sort of maintain because it's such an important asset to the town these days. Um, and I was chatting to a guy who runs a, a big operator out there. He's guiding hotels, bike shops, all sorts of stuff. He's, he's a bit of a bit of a don out there. But he was saying that, you know, people from all over the world, even established resorts such as Whistler, are going to Finale to talk to those guys about how they've managed to to generate so much money and so much such a scene around the place it's it's really cool like mm. i was never like blown away by finale when i've been there in like 
you know, six, seven, eight years ago, like something about it. But I went back this year for five days and it's it's insane. Like the, what they've done to it, it's really professional in a kind of really great way. Great trails, great uplifts, good ice cream, gelato. We can probably talk about more places in that region as mm. well in terms of like back to what we kind of started talking about locations that potentially revolutionized mountain biking. So before we started, we actually we actually added something to our list, didn't we? It was um, the Pay downhill track in France, but we kind of expanded on that to mm. San Romalo, San Remo in northern Italy, that Liguria region, so included um, Finale. But the reason we've added that is just because um, back in the late 90s, it was there that Fabian Burrell, Nico Vulios, that's where they did the bulk of their testing. But yeah, and it's still a popular t- place for testing now. If you know what I mean, there was videos a few years ago with the uh, Nukpu Shram team doing all their new rock shock testing or whatever. I can't what, remember what product it was. They were why using. go there, Luke? Because it's horribly rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like that track is horrible. I've You're saying it's it not once. a flow trail? No, 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 no. <laughs> it is absolutely brutal. It's so rocky and so demanding. Didn't it, you take your girlfriend there? Yeah. Did she cry? No, probably me. Oh. I think I cried. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a, uh, yeah, it was a uh, really. Shouldn't laugh. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh. Not his girlfriend now. <laughs> no. I don't no. think that was the pivotal moment. Though. <laughs> Maybe. You survived know. a bit after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might have been the trigger. <laughs> but, oh, um, we laughed. Then, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But no, it's a, it's yeah, an incredibly blue, brutal track. And mm. to, uh, for those guys to be riding it on the bikes that they were riding, yeah. you know, 25, 30 years ago. Insane. I can't imagine it. No one of those dudes' bikes advanced so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did like the testing that they must have done and like to go, okay, we need to improve this, this and this. Because to get down those tracks around that area, it's so rocky and it's so sharp. Yeah. And uh, it, you can see why their skills were so high and that area has developed so many good riders. Because yeah. Danny Hart still goes to San Romalo, doesn't he? I think, yeah, it's quite a bit of testing that goes on down yeah, there still. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the thing about that that particular downstroke. It's still relevant now. You know, even with our modern bikes, with all the modern tech, like that's, yeah. that track is still a track that you go to in order to test your new components because it is still so, like, out there in terms of how gnarly it is. We went and did... Uh, the Bike of the Year out there. We did indeed. Me and Seb did our ill-fated oh, yeah. uh, specialised e-bike feature out that way. Which Ill-fated because it went into the... Well, the original idea—I think the original idea was real sound. We would get the, tr- we would ride that downhill track on our e-bikes, then we would get the train get to San Remo, Shed ride up San Remo and ride down, and then get the train to Finale and ride up and ride down. We we sort of planned it. We sold it for quite a lot. <laughs> we got there. We chatted to the sort of the guy we know out there who's, who's local. Who's like, no chance, absolutely no chance. You're going to get that done in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So we pivot. Um, we ended up riding, um, what's that real famous um, downhill track right on the coast? Um, super iconic. Cap Dial. Cap Dye, yeah. Ah, Cap Dye. We ended up yeah. riding that in the dark. <laughs> dark? <laughs> Couldn't see it. really yeah. fun. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Luckily, they're not the ones that sort of led to cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> Still a good day out. Still one of the better days out on a bike. Still a good a day out. Well, that region definitely deserves to be in. Oh, I love it down there. It's amazing, right? Well, I mean, geez, like, yeah, it's sunny, it's warm. Got oh, the food, the wine, <laughs> the beach, the ice cream. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the bike riding. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizzas, <laughs> or whatever. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no, we have to say that, right? I mean, it is incredible. Yeah. It's an amazing place. Should we stay in France and yeah. go to 
the pass or the part or the, what was it called the ports de soleil region ports sorry i don't know I was, gonna say, I was gonna say the passports de soleil that's the event that's the event port de soleil gate to the door to the sun there you go yeah that's oh, a bit of french there for lingui- you oh, i should have said about your linguistic skills shouldn't Trans- i bon, yeah isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah five yeah. plus four <laughs> um now it's a place i think we visited a hell of a lot of times between us it's a great i mean it's certainly that sort of iconic Brit abroad mm. for good or bad. Yeah. But I think the first year we went was maybe 2001. I was trying to, I always try to remember this. I can't remember if it's 2001 or 2002, but it was one of those two years. Yeah. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and it wasn't, it, I guess it wasn't as big a destination as it is now. Certainly a lot cheaper. I remember it being yeah pretty cheap, but it just meant for us, you know, it was a, easy relatively easy drive you know ferry drive mm. and you're in massive mountains and riding tracks at super high speeds of the like we had nothing yeah nothing over it okay you could go to fort william and ride pretty fast and smash yourself into some rocks that's not the most pleasant way to spend a mm. week but you go to go to the alps go to morzine leger um head over into you know, we used to do a big day out over to morjan in switzerland and then round to chatel Oh, some of the best days ever. I think it, but it's so popular for British riders because it's still the novelty of chairlifts. Yeah. If you know, I mean, like the UK developed trail centres because that's the train we had. Mm. We didn't have chairlift access. But then at that time, the UK was actually really successful in the early 2000s with Steve P and then progressed on to like the Athertons. We, like we had good international races in downhill that inspired lots of riders. And then you all just wanted to go out and ride the mountains and the mm. chairlifts. You know, you just didn't have that in the UK. And it's, I think that's just carried on. People grew mm. up with it. And now as mountain bikers have got older, but they've just kept going. If you know what I mean, it's just, I, it's still a pilgrimage out yeah, there. And I guess it has the benefit of being less than an hour from Geneva airport as well, which is easy to get in and out of loads of flights with, from all over the place. And it is probably one of those few big Alpine resorts or destinations, which is so easily accessible. And it really caters for bikes. Yeah, it's and I'm a, sure there's other places that do as well. But yeah. I just remember those sort of moments where you're like, "Oh, we're stuck here. We need to get to there." Oh, you can just put your bike on a bus. You could put your bike on a bus. What? Yeah, and it's that easy. You could just and you pay next to nothing. Jump on a bus, stick your bike on there, travel to where it is you need to go, buy Toblerone in Switzerland, bish bash bosh, mm. ride down a hill. Amazing. Some yeah. of the best tracks. It was. We had so much fun, didn't we? Yeah, those early days were hilarious. It's still incredible now, you know, the the train, they've opened up so much more of it, which is good. Um, so much more accessible to a all level of rider now that maybe back 25 years ago, it wasn't as such, 20 years ago. Mm. But um, but yeah, still an incredible destination. And that has, you know, I think kept British mountain bikes, especially hooked on chairlifts and downhill bikes. And so. I mean, you could probably blame half the, big travel enduro bikes or almost downhill bikes that probably don't need to be bought but are still getting bought because yeah. I'm going to go on holiday. I know I'm yeah. going on holiday for one week to Leger to Morzine next year. Therefore, the bike that I'm going to, you know, trudge around the Kumkan Trail Centre mm-hmm. in, in immense amounts of pain as these big fat tyres and all the suspension slows me down. But I know for one week... That's going to be the it's gonna, Yeah, he's going to come into his own when I'm sat on the chairlift rubbing my hands together, yeah. like ready to drop in on Montchery and yeah, rip a load of terms. and Break my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but I mean, it's yeah, it is such a cool place, and it's it's just yeah. The, the I mean, the fun we had, obviously, when you know life was a bit easier when we have fewer <laughs> responsibilities. We probably got a bit carried away a few too many times, but um, what an amazing place, yeah, and and, and rightfully so belongs on. And from a racing point of view as well, of course, like some pretty iconic racing there over the last over the last couple of years, and also back in the day as well. Oh yeah, I mean the late sort of late nineties, there was some really amazing mud races in Leger, and then yeah, we've just seen the last two years on the bounce, world champs and the last World Cup. Yeah, incredible scenes. Like the French know how to celebrate a race. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anytime you need yeah. to call in security because there's flares being thrown and you're like is, is this a football match no oh, no no just bikes i thought i thought this these guys were going to be a bit more you know sophisticated I've, I've never <laughs> seen the winner being crowd surfed before no. but uh, only in leger what a place yeah well i guess you could maybe say that that's the mountain bike mecca for europe but um it would be easy to say then that Whistler would be, mm. well, do we give it, would it be like crowned <clears throat> the Mecca for mountain bikes or is it North American Mecca? It probably is these days. I still think there's a lot of people that from Europe will go and get a once in a lifetime It's, it's on the block bucket list. To, uh, yeah. to Whistler to say they've been there and done it and see what it's all about. Go on then, Luke, you went there this year. What? Why is it up there? It, like the, the variety of stuff they've got is incredible on the level of st like terrain they've got is unbelievable like you can say Morzine and Leger is very alpine mm -hmm. but it's all quite meadowy yeah you know it doesn't but the rocky mountains are rocky and you'd hope yeah yeah, yeah. they got the name for a reason the big deal with the rocks out there <laughs> 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 and um and just the trails that they've built down the hillside that mountainside are unbelievable mm. you know but and the scope of it as well like it's not just the techie rock lines it's also the jump lines they've built it's also the flow and the berms they've built they've like the 25 years it's been going or something you know it's uh it's not been slow progress mm. they've pumped loads into that bike park and they've got a lot in return they've seen the benefits right yeah yeah they've really yeah pioneered a lot of good stuff out there i mean i guess it's one of those first well docu i mean there's obviously loads of bike parks all around the world but whistler's probably the most documented in terms of it's got a dedicated manager who runs the bike park there's someone who looks well there's a whole team of them that just look after the trails as, yeah. you know as much as they can during winter and stuff like that i'm sure they do other stuff but they spend weeks prepping getting ready before the season kicks off then maintaining when this during the season some of the best built jumps i think i've ever ridden yeah, for sure. Like the uh, their jump lines are insane, unbelievable. Yeah. Like so well built. You just go, don't you? Just kind of drop in. You hit a certain speed, and you know that if you can jump the first one, everything else mm. should flow. Yeah, and and it's kind of set the tone. I mean, closer to home for us. I know that Whistler had a massive impact on how Bike Park Wells yeah came to fruition, and the ideas that they had. That you know they wanted that self contained dig crew. They wanted everything on site that they could to make the experience the best it possibly could it's for the be rider. a whole resort, hey? Yeah, like Whistler it, is a whole resort. Is. Exactly, exactly. And um, yeah, we've got a lot to thank Whistler for because, you know, Bike Park Wells is immense for us. But um, it's 
you know, it's hosted, Whistler's now hosted, I don't know how many big enduro races, the Canadian Open every year, Crankworks, Joyride events. You know, it's, it is, like you said, that bucket list destination with so much cool stuff, so many, and so many big names are always there. And mm. so many, like, the brands that have developed <clears throat> from having that, you know, infrastructure around you. Yeah. Even, and the riders that have come from there, that have grown up, as like riding Whistler Bike Park and are now top of the world. Jesse Melamed, for example. Yeah. Like incredible scene it's developed around it. It's how popular mountain biking is. Well, I guess young Jackson Goldstone. It's just down yeah. the road, right? That guy too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that little, that little <laughs> fella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's incredible. And, and I suppose we can't really talk about Whistler without mentioning, you know, Canada's North Shore. Yeah. Iconic. Well. Absolutely. And, you know, that whole free ride movement that was kind of going on at the same time and how they developed their trails and the type of riding they did, which was so different to just going to race. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the North shore is sort of, it's an area that sort of spawned a kind of its own little style, its own little niche of riding. And obviously there's like a lot of normal tracks that, you know, many people ride, but it was also specifically the, the up in the trees, skinny planks, <laughs> seesaws, <laughs> just stuff that, you know, I mean, it's not something that I would want to go and ride, but slippery death trap was really sort of of its time and sort of captured like a real moment in mountain biking history. And it pushed the brands as well. Brands like Norco, Cove. Mm. Yeah. You know, they were all all a big part of that scene. And and it was that sort of riding and the riders behind it that really elevated those guys, mm. got them into the, the, the videos, the DVDs, all the online stuff that they're in now. And, and, you know, Canadian mountain biking is massive, partly thanks to that. Then, you know, Stevie Smith after that, Miranda Miller, riders like that, and now Jackson Goldstone and and that crop coming up. But, mm. I mean, what a place to ride. Have any of us ever ridden the, the proper North Shore, the skinnies and all that sort of stuff? No. I've never been over there, no. No. I think at, Gold, at, uh, um, at Glentress, there's like a little skinny log that you can ride up on one of the blue climbs or the red climb, and that's that's as close as I'll ever get. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Not my bag. I, I've I've told you before, Tom. I did stuff. I did some stuff. We had it. There was a there was a a place not too far from our office that had quite a few sections of North Shore stuff. And for a while, the guys were obsessed with shooting mm. the bike test there. And at no point, you know, like I accepted the fact that if I was going to race downhill, I'd probably get injured. I didn't really want to get injured by slowly creeping along a six inch log. <laughs> that's like, you know, 10 foot in the air and just fallen off and snapping both my uh. ankles. So it, it really wasn't for me, but I, I don't get me wrong. I totally appreciate, I totally appreciate what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, impressive to watch like the stuff that has, has been achieved in that like little segment, mm. you know, it might be a bit bespoke to that area and it's kind of filtered out in small bits and places, but you know, they like the scope of what they built was incredible mm. and what they actually did was incredible. Yeah, totally. But it's, uh, I'm quite happy to leave them to, leave it. Them to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I that, guess these days we've got, what was it, the Tour de Nar that was put on this year by, yeah. um, oh, Yo and Borelli. Yo and Borelli. Borelli, yeah. Like, yeah. it might not have been like loads of woodwork, but it was still like, Terrifying. that North Shore stuff is still pushing the boundaries of what people can and, and, and might want to choose to do on a mountain bike. Yeah, it's not dissimilar. You can see the close tie-ins, that sort of slow technical approach mm. into obstacles. It isn't about carrying speed or necessarily flowing from one thing to the next it's how you approach it how you deal with it yeah. sometimes it is just massive moves it's mm. almost like 
downhill meets trials meets I don't know what else motorbike trials maybe mm. it's it's full on but yeah it, you're right it's just how it's progressed it and pushed it in that direction and obviously deserves to be on our on our list on our list have we missed anything off well should we stick with North America and just head down a little bit further south to the the red rocks of Moab that's a good point yeah we probably should because it's on the list and I forgot <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um, have you guys ridden there uh, I'm a little bit bitter about the fact that I haven't ridden there and I nearly did this year, but I didn't. <laughs> no, I've never been over to Moab. Okay. It's a unique experience for yeah. sure because it's amazing on the one hand because, you know, it's you're riding, you know, on something, on, on rock, on slick rock. So it's really grippy. Right. But it's also super harsh. Mm -hmm. There's no soft bits of dirt in between. So, you know... When you get go, well, I suppose in some bits of trail there are, but it depends what track you're riding. But you've got classics like um, Porcupine Rim, yeah, the whole enchilada, Captain Ahab, um, and some of those are seriously long. Yeah, um, it's a long way up to 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 do the entire whole enchilada or Porcupine Rim. It's a it's a hell of a day out. Mm. But yeah, you can ride seriously fast into some curb-sized stone rocks and kind of. I think it's one of those things where if you were to be going that bit slower and looking at it, you'd probably back off and not do mm -hmm. it. But the pace out there is on a lot of that stuff is pretty insane. Right. Um, it's it's just it's just really cool. It's a genuinely amazing experience. For a long time, you've said it's one of your favourite spots to ride, isn't it? It was really cool. Yeah, I think it's more because it's so so different to everything else. It isn't a, it isn't like riding in the Alps. It isn't like riding in Whistler. It's it's totally alien in in that regard it's stuff that you you know i i don't know how to describe it you know it's it's so so unusual mm. different to everything that we sort of see as normal yeah in terms of riding and you know i know um john cancellier from rock shocks he used to head up um the black box program they would spend weeks every year up there testing stuff because oh. it's so harsh okay i did a rock shocks camp there actually and um I can't remember what trail we might have been doing. Uh, Hall Enchilada, maybe, like the tail end of it. And it was a brand new bike, brand new everything on that. And I just remember coming down and all of a sudden I bottomed the bike out so heavily. It wasn't maybe, I hadn't maybe spent long enough to set it out. I, bought, I popped both dust seals, like wiper seals, off the fork, <laughs> which I've never done in my life. But we, I mean, we were trucking. It was yeah. fast. It's seriously fast. It's so unforgiving. Huh. I mean, you don't want to crash. Obviously, you don't want to crash there. No it's it's pretty gnarly but it's yeah it's it's really cool mm, and i think the scenery there is so unique as well right oh it's epic it's it's sort of that those sort of views you'd only ever see in like old you know western yeah films. yeah yeah um so yeah it's really special in that regard mm. and cool little towns yeah really cool little towns well, i remain bitter about not getting there you'll get there i'm sure one, one day. day tom one day one tom day. before we wrap up then is there anywhere apart from moab that you guys are desperate to get to Oh, New Zealand. I've yeah. never been riding in New Zealand. Queenstown. Would be definitely a bucket list trip to go and do to yeah, see what shot. all the uh, hype's about. I'm not sure where I want to go exactly in New Zealand. There's okay. so many good spots you hear about. Because mm. it's Rotorua on the North Island. Rotorua right? on the yeah, North yeah. Island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Queenstown, Queenstown on the South Island. Island. Queenstown, not the Queensland, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, but New Zealand would be a cool place to go and explore and have a look around and see, see what's there because apparently mm. there's some incredible places. Um, more new places probably like tasmania yeah um 
after the EWR and the EWS have been there. And I was going to say, years. I want to go to Medina. Yeah, that's mm. supposed to be a really cool place. Mm. Apart from the creepy crawlers, right? Yeah, mm. yeah time for that. Mm. What about you, Tom? Apart from Moab. Apart from Moab, where would I like to go? I think I'm, I'm still a bit of a homeboy. Like, I really love Europe. Like, I love Europe. I mean, I, mean, I thought you were going to say somewhere down the road then. Oh, <laughs> I'm, kind of relieved, I'm kind of relieved you've said you've meant it at home as in Europe rather than... <laughs> I mean, I love, I love, I'd maybe like go and explore some more bits of Ashton Court. Um, Ashton Court. <laughs> Do <laughs> the Nova Trail backwards. <laughs> <laughs> maybe over towards, you know, I've been to Slovenia once um, on, on a trip and that's really beautiful down there. Mm. Uh, like the Julian Alps, that sort of area, maybe. Or yeah, maybe some sort of lesser visited spots of Europe, I think would be cool. Um, and get there on a train one of my sort of real wishes is you know we go on a lot of work trips we were fortunate to do so but we spend a lot of time flying to bits mm. of europe and i would i'd love to take the train to a launch i know you've done it once and maybe a bit of a faff but i think something like that'd be quite cool yeah but then i think i did it and i went to a launch that wasn't very good so i think if i'd got the train and the launch was amazing mm. i'd have been fine yeah but when you just kind of Bashing through long grass yeah, and there's no trails. Uh, it's less good. On, on my bucket list actually is is um, Mexico it would be a cool place to go ride. I think I'd love to go and do some stuff out there. And me and my friends were planning to go to a an enduro in um, in Bali, and mm. we dubbed our trip Nali for Bali. Nali for Bali, uh, <laughs> but we didn't go. Oh, so maybe that's, maybe that'll come back one day. How about you, Weaves? Um, Medina, as I said, yeah. but I'd love to go to South America. Chile. Mm. Awkward. Yeah, bit, isn't it? <laughs> Where am I going yeah, in December? Yeah, right. Um, I was going to go and do, I was going to go down, down there for a launch a while ago, but I can't remember why it didn't work out. Maybe I, we'd selfishly had a child, oh, God. I think, and it meant I had to stay at Was home. that the Santa Cruz one that yes. um, Josh Patterson went on there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd love to go down there. Mm. It looks amazing. And I think... Um, it, yeah, I've, I've never been to South America, so mm. it'd be a really cool place. Uh, obviously, Queen. I mean, Queenstown looks it looks amazing. That'd be really cool. So yeah, still lots to do. There's a whole world out there. There is a whole world out there. And, and I think, I guess on that, we should probably wrap it up. So thanks, guys. And please tune in to the next MBUK podcast coming soon.